Welcome to Melangela's Soul Garden Podcast, the platform that makes a change. We'll be helping you to navigate a new life, boost your potential, grow spiritually, enjoy nature's ways, reinvent a creative you and so much more. Hosted by Melangela. If you would like to be notified about new episodes, you can subscribe to my newsletter, where I also share some exclusive contents. There will be no spam, and if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe at any time. You can find the link to the newsletter in the description of the episode. Now, on with the show! Enjoy! So, we all live in a world that is in need of transformation, is one of the nuggets of wisdom shared by my today's guest, Sandy. And we'll learn about her view on that later on as we go along. But let me start with nature first uh, and the changes and transformations in nature. It just so happens that today is St. Martin's Day when the wine juice and the the must uh, turns into wine. So in my country, we traditionally celebrate this holiday you know, with richly laid table, all the goodies, and of course, some good wine. So good day to you, Sandy. Hello. How are you in New Zealand? Good, and so wonderful. feel very blessed to be here uh, speaking with you today, Melanda. And I had no idea about the wine uh, there because, of course, I live in the... Um, the capital of the the wine capital of New Zealand, right in the middle of the actual area. So, but of course, it's springtime here, so no grape harvest at the moment. No grape <laughs> harvest for you at this time. I was wondering because uh, you know New Zealand, of course, because of the the climate and the fertile soil, is just um, well really has all the all the ingredients uh, uh, that that uh, are necessary to produce wine and i know you do so i was really wondering you can't <laughs> celebrate it at this time of the year good um well on to the show and we mm-hmm. really need to say a few words about my guest today sandy nelson uh grew up in the 60s in rural life new zealand and discovered quite early on that she was different. With 15 years of coaching practice though, and that stopped apparently for no obvious reason, she drove herself into a downward health spiral. She then received guidance to perform certain activities that are hard to swallow by a left brain critical rationalist and logic thinker. She learned that the more we value our true nature and in a way our soul uh, designed for us, the more enriching, expansive and delight-filled our life becomes. As a creator of Bond With Your Brilliance, she seamlessly blends previous work with her high sensory and catalytic abilities to help her clients, and I quote, go soar in their day, day after day. Now, talking to her today, I do hope to address the topic of failure merely as steps taken in the wrong direction, something that needs to be rethought, readdressed, 
or done in a new, fresh way. Sandy, give us a bit of yourself, a bit of your early life, please. The way you experienced your being different from the rest. Well, well, first of all, thank you for that lovely introduction. You have expressed it so so beautifully. Um, and also, you know, I, I hear about the failure at mistake is a mistake or a misstep. It's it just means that we we're, we're potentially heading in a direction um, that will lead us somewhere. So I love that you've actually mentioned that the way you have. And that kind of just segues beautifully into sort of how I grew up in that I remember walking to school one day between my, my elder brother who's a year older and my sister who's two years younger. And they were having this conversation around uh, over top of me and recognizing that their view on life, even as children was so totally different to mine. And I even I can I can close my eyes easily and know exactly where I was on the road when I realized, ah, they are different to me. Now it wasn't I am different to them. The thought was they are different to me. And that started kind of unraveling, you know, as children, we all um, look to our elders and to the, you know, to the seniors around us to look for guidance of how we're supposed to act and, and respond. And so I became very much more aware that the way I was seeing life wasn't concurrent with how, and doing life wasn't concurrent with how others around me were doing. I was living in conventional rural New Zealand, very orthodox, though we lived on a farm and with seasons and things like that. It was very, you know, the 60s, there was a lot of new stuff coming in, you know, commercialism and uh, TV was just coming on board and obviously advertising, which I believe has changed a lot of the world and how we actually uh, motivate ourselves to do and want things. And so, uh, and so I gradually started pulling back from what naturally felt right for me because I wanted to be more like them. I, it never occurred to me that my way was best for me and that their way was best for them. It just, in that simplistic childlike way, I want to be more like them, to, to be, to belong more. And so to belong more means, meant that I needed to say, do and think and feel more like them. Of course, unwittingly, re, um, not realizing that I would be undoing all my natural capabilities and pushing them aside. And being a child, were you afraid of what you experienced of, or what? No, no. Uh, one time, and, and this is, again, this is rural New Zealand, the Western uh, medicines and things like that weren't even thought, I don't even know that I actually knew that there were places like China or Japan or places like that. But when I was unwell, I used to go and lie on the uh, lawn, out on the front lawn, and I would feel the vibrations from the earth. And then um, I would have these angels that were dressed like nurses and they would put needles all the way down me I had no idea it was years later before I experienced my first acupuncture session and of course it took me immediately back to 
um, to that time. But um, it was to me what I was seeing, experiencing was, um, and seeing in my mind's eye, was just uh, a well-being way. But I was, I intuitively felt that it would be wrong to speak about it. So I never did speak about it. I just followed the cues of those around me. No one ever talked about lying on the lawn and having uh, um, uh, uh, angel nurses come and put little fine needles all around your, your, your body and leave them in for a few minutes and you would uh, you would come out of that feeling absolutely wonderful. Nobody talked about that, so I didn't. So, yeah, how, that was a, that's a good example. How old were you at the time? Um, so the last time I probably did that was about... Uh, um, it would be six or seven so it wasn't long after I had this epiphany that uh, um, you know people around me were different to me so that's when my I said yeah that's when my connection with nature started to that I consciously started to close off from that and I'm thinking for quite some time what you did was conventional business and personal coaching to high achievers. Mm -hmm. Now, how did mm. that live hand in hand with your spiritual part that lived in you as well? Well, did you did you express that spiritual part that yeah. much? Yeah. Well, yeah, just to some degree, I it always wanted to come forth. It was always naturally, and through the the soul design work that I do, I now know so much that we cannot, we can only suppress so much. It is, it's, it's a a, um, a life feeder for us. So it doesn't matter how much we try not to. There will always be aspects of us of an innate, inherent self. Um, soul self that wants to come through and this was very evident in the work that I was doing because and maybe I will step back just a little bit I first got into business by being a, um, a, a bricks and mortar business owner myself back when I was 32 and I bought this uh, tourism business a, a, a um, a, a like a little mini general store in a villa, in a holiday village and it, I had a number of things um, as, as part of that I had a pharmaceutical gifts and crafts postal agency general sort of store sort of thing and because of my uh, organizational skills I actually people started coming to me wanting me to um, help them with their business and that I was just having the conversations with them and I said well have you tr tried this have you tried that because by then I was looking at reading lots of business uh, books conventional business how to actually run your business because I didn't come from a business background of course these days farming is considered agribusiness but back then it was just farming you just did it you know, just followed what everyone else did. And so um, so when I went into the, the coaching, I had this experience of running a business and helping others run their business. And I didn't realize that intuitively I was bringing in some of the spiritual stuff, but uh, most of my clients weren't ready for it. I was, I was singing in the wrong choir, so I just speak. I um, was... And though some of them, you know, they would say, oh, yes, my uh, my business coach, he's a bit woo-woo. And that would be a bit, you know, sort of laughed off. But I realized that when I look back, that I was far more invested in their spiritual well-being as part of a leader in, in, in their aspect of running their business and their livelihood. 
than what they were. And that's what was, that's what drove me into my health um, spir- downward spiral because I just wanted so much for them to live this, uh, these aspects of themselves that they were denying. Hmm. So actually it was very hard for you and you got really sick, right? And, mm-hmm. and how was that you were mentally and physically exhausted or yes. something like that? yes. Yes, so I, I ended up with, you know, the conventional adrenal fatigue syndrome. Um, my, um, my blood pressure was sky high um, and I developed all these food allergies. I also had um, uh, toxic, um, uh, heavy metal toxic syndrome as well. So my body was incredibly depleted. So, and, and I... I couldn't work. I literally, I found it very, very difficult to even stand up some days. I was just completely fatigued. And I knew, and I took the, I took the natural holistic approach to my well-being because at the the depths of that one night, I was just crawling from the bathroom um, to the, um, to the, to the chair on my, in my bedroom and thinking, well, if this is how life's going to be, from here on in, how am I going to, how is this going to work? And guidance, my higher self said to me right there and then, well, loving yourself would be a really good start. And it was uh, like, duh. Um, I'd had no idea that I wasn't loving myself. I had, I thought I was, but that set me on, well, that was the first thing. How do, how does one love themselves? How does, you know, and this is where true self-care is just so important for me. It is, it is, yeah. I'm just, I'm just yeah. thinking, so where does this process start? How does one start loving herself or himself? Right. That's, that's a good question, I think. Yes. So this, you know, the, the key or the secret, the way I see it is uh, in your introduction, you, we, you mentioned about the go soar in your brilliance today. Well, soar is an acronym uh, for surrender, observe, appreciate, respond. And when we, when we surrender or radically accept what is, we open the door for us to actually be objectively observing instead of being subjectively observing things and then we can appreciate and appreciate ourselves and appreciate all aspects of ourselves and from that place we can then respond rather than react to what's happening around us so self-care starts with literally surrendering to the the opportunity that you can take care of yourself in truly prosperous, natural ways. Um, it's accepting that for a start, radical accepting, and then observing. How am I doing that? Am I, for instance, am I going to bed when my body feels tired, not when I think I should go to bed? You know, do I have um, a 10-minute power nap during the day because my body is saying so 
Um, do I go and stand on the ground with bare feet and feel the vibration of the earth? All those are self, everything in life can be self-caring if we set ourselves up in that way. But just small things like, um, do, you, do you notice when your body needs water? Do you notice when your body needs more breath? Do you notice what you're seeing? Do you notice what you're smelling and tasting? Or is life just a real continuum of rushing from here to there to going from a doing, doing, doing state rather than a being state? Being in our own presence is a self-caring act. Right. And I, I have read uh, the, the principle, the five wisdoms that you so cleverly devised. And what really fascinated me and uh, I was taken by surprise really when I read that to be brilliant I mean the understanding of what brilliance really is that basically we need to embrace the wholeness of us not just the perfect the brilliant part of us that's a very clever beginning of this story because when somebody says brilliant what comes to mind is okay she's perfect or she thinks or somebody thinks she is or she must be but it's not all about that it's about accepting it all because it's like you know it comes as a package it, it comes yes. as a whole and we need to accept it as a whole so sometimes we are tired or just not our best selves and but that's that's us that's who we are and we are as you said brilliant at every moment just not aware mm -hmm. of that I really love this part of course, the rest of it as well. But this really came as a shock to me. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, we so, it's, uh, you know, society has taught us to actually focus on the, the brilliance being um, our talents and our skills and our genius and our excellence. And when we deny ourselves the whole part of us, we are denying those aspects that are gifts to us that are in the making of, for instance, and perhaps our limiting beliefs. If we believe that we are not enough, uh, if we if we shove that aside, which is often okay, then that doesn't. It still exists in our energetic field, and it still has a, play, a part to play, and it plays it in a way that causes us frustration and stops us from going and being more of our uh, truest, higher self because we are tethered to this belief. Now, if we, if we bring that out into the open and allow that to play center stage by loving it and giving it compassion and, and uh, accepting it for the gift that it is or the, and the learning that's in there, then that transforms, that belief begins to transform. And of course, there's ways to, to transform uh, beliefs, et cetera. But um, there, we, we, that then becomes, it, it's like bringing in nature. It's like a peach that is green and some parts of it start to ripen up and other parts are green and it's the whole peach is a peach but it's not until the green parts ripen up that it comes into its true purpose um, either to be eaten or to actually be completely a, a beautiful flesh so that it drops to the ground and the seed you know breaks open etc so you know, this is the same with us if we don't if we if we don't 
accept and participate in the right way, the green or the unright parts or the, you know, what we see as the unfavourable parts of ourselves, um, then we are denying ourselves the ability to be more of who we are. And, you know, we are, this is the other thing too, is that we are always being our best selves in any one moment. But that best self may be different from moment to moment. You are, we're all striving to be at best selves at any one moment. And it's also a learning process. As we go along, we learn and, you know, mm. we, we make mistakes and we learn from them. And this is the only good way to go, I think. Mm. Mm. Not a static, yes. It's not a, a static condition. No, no. And this is where, you know, coming back to that, you know, the, the failure and, and, and mistakes and that, if we think of it as a mistake, you know how they do in movies, they say, take one, take two, take three. That's what we're doing is we're just, okay, we're doing that take didn't work out. We can learn from that what went right, what went wrong, and and this is what we this is also what we say is what went wrong there, and we forget to ask what went right, but we focus on what isn't rather than what is, in a favourable way, and we uh, deny ourselves the that when we do that we don't need as many takes to get it where we, to go where we want to go. But when we focus on what's wrong um, in, a, um, in a blaming, shaming way to ourselves, then we're, we're going back steps instead of going forward and, and working with, okay, that's how, what was the learning? What, what was the gift here? Who am I being? Um, who was I being at that time? And then we can take that and move on and it's yeah, it's amazing it's, it's amazing how we can be loving and understanding to another person but it's most of the time it is so difficult to do so mm. to to ourselves mm. or for ourselves mm. to be loving mm. and understanding when we you know take wrong steps um so yeah, and then yeah. we beat ourselves hard for that and we are frustrated yeah. instead of just mm. yeah and and that bitterness and anger mm. for what i mean mm. it, it's yeah just something that needs rethinking and um moving on yes yes and i i see it this way is that most of us know we're how to be a good friend most of us have friends, you know, several friends. We know we like to think of ourselves as being a good friend or even a best friend to someone. And yet we deny being the best friend to ourselves so often because we just don't recognize that the best friend we can be is to ourselves first. Hmm. And you, you uh, have written in your bio that you are strong on true self-care, and I do believe you that. So how do you continue to improve your health and vitality these days? Okay, so uh, I'm always open to learning more about uh, the body, the mind, the spirit. And even yesterday, I had this epiphany that uh, I, in medical terms, um, they talk about the body being in homeostasis 
you know, all organs and, and parts of the body being in balance and harmony. And I realized that that's part of the homeostasis. The homeostasis is actually the harmony, the, it's the holistic homeostasis between our emotions and our mental being and our spiritual being as well as our physical being. Now, most of us know that there is a, a correlation between our emotions and our health. You know, we think about stress and how stress actually can influence our health, or we can we know about our mental. Uh, you know, if we we think good thoughts, then our body actually starts responding in good thoughts um, in in good ways. But I I realized yesterday that that there was a term there. It's holistic homeostasis. It's about us. It's about our emotional, mental, physical, spiritual all being in harmonious and balanced state and in, in being in that harmonious and balanced state. So um, so for, I'm going to be, for this next few days, I'm going to be uh, exploring that concept even more and think, seeing, okay, so what emotions um, are related to, when we know sort of like grief is, is in the Eastern medicines, Chinese traditional medicine, grief is the lungs and the large intestines, for instance. So, you know, what's what's happened in my lifetime that's actually created a, a situation where my large intestines perhaps are not in homeostasis, in the best homeostasis that it can be. It is in the best homeostasis that it can be at the, this moment, but this moment is different to the next moment. Uh, it's springtime. I've, I've just been through hay fever. So next year, I want to be in a state where hay fever is less of a impediment to my living. How do I, so I'm exploring that. What are the things that are actually causing me to have hay fever? Not just from a pollen point of view, but from an emotional mm. and spiritual point of view. So that's, um, it's, I, I see our body as, as being the vehicle, this, uh, this temple garden for us to live on this earth. And it's always, it's about exploring all the ways that I can be in my highest good health and vitality, which is different to someone else's. And that's then that's something that I had to learn is that because I'm highly sensory, I have all these energies and I have people you know, from the other side talking to me and I have guides and guardian angels who speak to me. Um, I can go into a room and I can feel the vibrations, etc. So that takes a special, um, I have to look after that state of me as well as my physical state of me. And if they're out of balance, then that causes more. Uh, that means that I need to sleep more, rest more, etc. The, the topic that you just touched is actually my next question. So you then okay. discovered your, your, your really deep, uh, high, actually highly sensory nature and talent to read soul plans. Is that it? And yes. that yes. led you down an entirely new alley. So would you be so kind and tell us about that uh, a bit? It's, it's typology, right. archetypes as well, and all yes. other sorts of things. Yes. 
So I've always been interested in archetypes and typology. Like when I when I refer to typology, I'm talking about you know how we do these personality quizzes, the Myers Briggs, the um, the DISC. Uh, there are all sorts of uh, assessments that we can do to to identify um, you know aspects of our personality self. And and I've you know done that from a very very early age. I mean, astrology was the 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 uh, in my teenage years was my first sort of uh, a typology um, system that I uh, discovered and worked with. And but after I became unwell, I was guided uh, to to do several um, trainings with. And some mentors about healing energy that was a new healing energy that is coming through, um, through into this earth plane and wants to expand more and help uh, the living beings here. And that led me, to, so I was invited to a private um, summit and that led me to the introduction of a, uh, an ancient um, Hebrew numerology system. And when I was given um, the soul plan for myself, it just opened up a huge door. It was like a love note from my soul to myself. And it put into words and sentences that my thinking mind could understand what my feeling and my sensory being understood all the time, but was I was unable to articulate. Or I thought that might be the case, but I was never quite sure because there, it never had shown up in any other typology archetype system. It would be some inferences were there, but the the fact that my soul was calling me to be this catalytic energy uh, hadn't shown up anywhere else. And it, it felt like a coming home. I, I cried for days knowing that this was my higher calling and what I was actually meant to be doing. And it made me understand why, if, why I was inherently wanting others in when I was being a business coach, why I wanted them to to be more spiritually aware, because I understood then understood that they were missing out. I knew it at this at my mental level, but I at a heart level I couldn't actually express that. So that's when I went on and studied with a mentor and worked with the system so that I could um, open up and be a a soul reader. Um, for people so that they can know exactly what their soul's plan and design is for each individual for this lifetime. Um, and it just makes life so much easier because you can understand why the challenges we've had, why the challenges, are, why we have the talents. It brings out the understanding of which gifts and talents um, we are that are naturally inherent and are, are our top priority to work with. It doesn't forsake any other typology or archetype system. It, it creates this solid bedrock foundation that, as I say, just brings in these energies that are from a soul level. So basically you read energy of this person, well, what type of information or well, what is needed for you to do this type of reading? Because if I understand it correctly, this Hebrew uh, practice is a kind of a alphanumerical code for, by means of which yeah. you actually, 
is it calculate or see or device certain information? Yes. I don't know where, how to explain it correctly. <laughs> well, you've done a very, very good job uh, there. Uh, it, it's, so it is, most people understand numerology, the Pythagoras numerology, um, so which is about two and a half thousand years old. But then the Hebrew um, coding is uh, um, that we use is the is the one of the original light language um, codes. So each num each, there's a frequencies that are put into codes which are put into numbers. And that's devised from the birth name that is on our birth certificate. Um, so and what ha what has happened is that our soul telepathically sends the the personal people who are choosing our name at birth or to go on our birth certificate are, are imprinting in into them the codings so um so the name comes through through the people they know exactly what name and that's the soul saying well in that in that name are the specific codes that as a soul we when we were before we were human we as the soul chose for ourselves these this is the journey that we chose for ourselves to go on in this lifetime so um so these numbers come in as um challenges and talents and goals and a higher calling so it becomes it looks like a star and um, you know the workings we work out the the numbers um the letters become codes and frequencies or a combination of letters become a code and frequency and then from that number and then I'm intuitively then I can connect with the soul and bring through the spe um, specific messages that that soul wants for that particular code, for that particular 22 code or that particular nine or four code, et cetera. So, so yes, um, does, how's that explanation landing for you? It's, it's great. Um, it just makes me think further. Why is it meant for us ordinary human people not to know any of this and to explore and to make mistakes and to go through this learning process when things could be easier for, for us if we knew certain things that we don't? Well, the interesting thing, this is why typology actually exists, is that, you know, there was that saying, you know, every child should come with a with a, their own operational manual code book. Well, actually we have, and different cultures have, um, have learned that. That's why uh, astrology um, has been around. That's why uh, Pythagoras numerology was, was created. That's why Ming Zhang, which is the ancient um, Chinese art of face reading, um, hand prints, um, they're, they're all different typologies that actually are meant to help us understand ourselves. However, the way I understand this particular system is because of and um, because it goes back to Atlantean days, um, we chose to go on a different path at that time, which was to actually create more mistakes. So expansion, we could journey through and see the expansion between the dark and the light, for instance, um, the good and the bad. Uh, and, and so we as humans think that our, our limitations 
are a bad thing. Well, actually, they're not. When you can see it from a holistic, from a more expansive point of view, we see that we are expanding out on ourselves. Now, if somebody, you know, you see a child learning to walk, you know, if, if, um, and it makes the stumbling, you know, a few steps and falls over. It learns how to actually balance better, becomes conscious of, well, if I put my heel down first and then my foot and I can actually propel myself. So that's what we're doing in our life is we're, we're actually learning how to, how to manage and um, corral our our gifts in a way that is for the higher contribution that we're here to make on part, behalf of society. So we all chose to come here to contribute to society in some way. And so um, to do that, we also, to bring in empathy and compassion, we must know what it's like to actually fail at something so that we can see the difference between failure and success it's the old saying is we can appreciate the sunshine when it rains and we're back to failure right where we uh, we yes. can full circle circle really which is really fantastic so no such yes. thing as failure is just you know mistake something taken yes. in, a, in a different yeah. in a different sort of challenging way and it needs yeah. rethinking as we said earlier on yes now yes. You enrich your life through creative endeavors. Uh, you develop these five wisdoms as we were talking about right now. And you also have your book in the final editing stage. Is that book somehow connected to your wisdoms or is that another thing? Well, interesting. This is, uh, though the book came through to me just before I had my health downward spiral, um, the book was channeled to me. One day I just realized I was, I had just bought myself a brand new car. It was the first car that I had bought literally off the, you know, off the block and in, in my lifetime. And I was trying to understand for myself why there was a certain feeling that I was getting about driving around in this brand new car because the cars had never, you know, it, it never, it never interested me before why, um, and, and there was this, this attachment that was, that was coming through. So I, I started to journal because I do a lot of journal and creative journaling to try and understand what was actually happening in my own energy field. And, and then I got this, it was almost like automatic writing or, you know, soul writing. Um, it was, it's like da, da, da. And then a little short story came out of that. And as I read it in my conscious state, I realized that it was a synopsis of a book. And that there was, if I was trying to explain it to someone, it would be better to actually have it in a book. And then all of a sudden, this mind movie blew up in, in front of me, and I could see the whole book. And so I sat down and started writing. I wrote, say, you know, um, 2,000, maybe 3,000 words and realized that, and I'd never been a writer. I'd never been a creative writer. I never thought that I was a creative writer. I tried to actually write, um, you know, I've written sort of you know, business-type reports and things like that, but not as a creative writer. 
And so I thought, ah, I need to actually get a writing coach just to help me. It felt um, as if there was something bigger here happening. And then all of a sudden, um, I, I just every day, and it took six weeks to write the first take of it, which was the double the size of what the actual book has ended up being. It's, um, it's only 50,000 words. It's quite a short read, like most parable stories are. And yeah, and it just became, and then the, the voice just came through and I just wrote it every day. Um, and then, of course, the that was the easy part. Now it's actually getting it into um, into a format that is easy for the reader to read, um, and that's where the final story it's in its final stages at the moment. So it is. It's an it's a um, modern day parable about one woman's accidental quest for the truth, and it's no, it's not my story. Um, but there is a link uh, there to how I was seeing life. And of course, the first person it needed to help was myself. And when I read it after I became unwell, I recognized the wisdoms that had come through prior to that, which I had just gleaned and superficially before. And then I got it at a whole new level after I had been unwell because I was at a crossroads in my own life. So would you say that these words were whispered into your ear? Uh, for, I, mean, I mean, from someone high up? <laughs> so, uh, so the voice that came through, comes through to, uh, came through to me um, was uh, she calls herself Cutesy Blue. And she, sits, she sat on my right shoulder and, um, and she spoke most of the words. And then all of a sudden there would be a blank. And as the story went on, there was these blank places. And I'd say, I'm waiting, you know, what are the next words? And she said, you need to write these next words. And then I would have to write something myself. Um, and then all of a sudden she would then start speaking to me again. So they were, so it started off with her just fully writing out. And then as time in, because I am meant to be part of my creativity is to be a storyteller. And this is what I do to some degree when I am doing soul readings is I'm telling the hero, the hero to um hero story of, of somebody's um, soul plan for them. It becomes their hero story. You know, from the challenges, if you know the hero's journey, this is what we all have. And this is what the soul plan is, is all about, is we go through all these uh, challenges or experiences so that we can be the hero of our own life. And so, um, so I am a storyteller and I didn't know that I was a storyteller. Um, and so it comes through in different ways. So this, this parable um, was about me. There was actually other stories for me to tell from this series. Um, but at the moment, uh, you know, uh, Cutesy Blue is, was, was my channel. Um, so yes. <laughs> How amazing that is. So that's the creative you. Mm -hmm. And there's another part yes. that loves nature. So how important and what part, what, what, what role uh, nature plays in, in, in your life? Okay, so I actually see we are all part of Mother Nature. Uh, there is, we're on Earth and as part of Earth, everything is, is, linked to mother nature and and we are in our own 
universe this our body is our own universe uh, and it is part of the nature so it doesn't matter how much we avoid or ignore we are part I, I believe we are part of, of mother nature and the more we commune with mother nature the more we can understand ourselves and the world and how we fit into the world and what our part in this world is all about so uh, I live in a rural town I uh, most days except for when it's hay fever time I'm out walking and um, breathing in the fresh air and you know I have a um, I live in a on a fifth of an acre so I have a garden that I like to be out in every day uh, it would be uh, I follow the seasons I follow the seasons even in my work and in my in the way of life so you know we all enjoy like for instance soups in the winter time and salads in the summertime well I take that um, one step further and I actually see that there are seasons in in the year for my the work that I do so uh, in the winter time I have more of a quiet time and researching time and an inward time and my high productivity and working with clients is often around spring and autumn so that's new life and the um, the harvest time summertime is more about the celebrations and that's about yeah so uh, so I use I look to nature first uh, for my answers and I intuitive you know I intuit from mother nature I'm very much look um, looking for the signs always spirit animals uh, even um, flowers have spiritual meanings and like the other day I got told uh, white forget me not an apple blossom and when I checked out the meanings for that it was all about self-love well, I'm, you know, so so I now know that I am to get white forget-me-nots into my garden. They're not in the garden, but I know that to grow them in my garden is going to support me in my quest for self-love. Great. Uh, and one last thought, maybe. Uh, if you could skip any problem, any road, any decision, what would it be? Could you just ask that again, please, Melangia? Something that's coming through. If, if, we seem to have a bit, a bit of a problem with connection, I think, but we'll go through that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. If in a position to, you know, uh, if, it, if it were possible for you to skip any difficulty, any road, any situation, decision, what would it be? Any regrets? Okay. In other words, yes. Um, if I could have skipped giving away my understanding of who I was as a child uh, and accepted that as my, not just my role in life but my advocacy of who I am for the betterment of myself and society and others and that, that would be the one because uh, though I don't because of the path that I did take I don't you don't regret it but if that would be the one where if somebody had been there by my side and said no don't follow others 
live your life to the beat of your own drum, be who you truly are, you will be a far better, happier person, a stronger, healthier, more vibrant, more productive contributor to, contributor to life. Yes, that would be it. Okay. And your last advice, something in a nutshell for our listeners. Um, seek seek self-love. Okay. Yeah. Very deep and meaningful and takes a lot of time to truly uh, and wholeheartedly understand that. Thank you for sharing yes. your thoughts and enriching our energy space with your energy, which is beautiful. Uh, hopefully we have inspired some people uh, to change their lives. Uh, now, we need to say a few words about your social platforms. Would you be so kind and give us some information where people can find you? Okay, so um, the easiest way to find me is actually through my website, which is www.sandynielsen.com. It's S-A-N-D-I-N-E-I-L-S-O-N.com. Um, I'm on Facebook under Sandy Nielsen. Uh, I have a YouTube ch channel, which is under Sandy Nielsen. Uh, and Twitter is Sandy Nielsen. So there's not too many. It's the way that you spell it, S-A-N-D-I-N-E-I-L-S-O-N, which takes you straight to, to who I am because a lot of people have the Ys and the E-Is around the way. But, yeah, uh, it, it, you, if you spell my name correctly, it should pop up pretty quick. <laughs> right. Thank you ever yes. so much again. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And thank you, dear listeners, for staying tuned. Keep smiling. Till next time, Milangela. Mm -hmm.